Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Bridgepoint Church. Stay tuned after the podcast for a short message, but for now, let's jump right in. Good morning, everyone. Thanks. Oh, you guys are, are, are alive and awake, and it's great to see everyone this morning. It's great to see you all. Um, great to be here. If you don't know who I am, my name's Greg Tellison. I am a dream teamer here as well, and I get to serve on the worship team, and uh, every now and then, Pastor Matt lets me speak, and so I'm just excited to bring uh, the, the close of our Blockbuster Weekend series to you this morning, and uh, I had to go all the way back to 2002 with The Born Identity. Anybody see that movie? If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it um, as long as you're of age, um, but anyway, um, so, so excited, and I, I was thinking about, there was lots of movies, and Matt said that I could choose any one that I wanted to pick, and so I was thinking, what do I do, and which one do I pick, and I just kept coming back to The Born Identity time and time again. Not only is it one of my favorite movies, but it's got a great message, I think, for us this morning, and I think it applies to our series. So, one of the things that you saw up there, now, if you haven't seen it, this is a spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you about the movie a little bit. And you had 18 years, so I don't feel bad, okay? All right, so it's Jason Bourne, and he is what is called an asset by the U.S. government. And he's a secret kind of weapon, and he was trained to be an assassin and to take people out and to do so without others knowing that he was there. And so he's on one mission, and he goes to to kill, uh, I won't say the guy, Mombosi's name, but uh, and he goes to kill him, and his children are there, so he has a moment of conscience, and so he doesn't kill him, and he, he leaves, and instead of him killing that guy, he gets shot in the back, and then the Italian fishermen pick him up and uh, fish him out of the water, and they kind of nurse him back to health, and they take care of him, and then they give him some, some money, and they send him on his way to help find out who he is because he can't remember anything that happened before two weeks before he was picked up. And so he goes in search of, and while, while the guy was taking um, bullets out of his back, he also found a, like a microchip in his hip, and it had a, a, a bank account number on it. And so he goes to that bank, and he finds in the safety deposit box all these passports from different countries with his name on it, and he realizes he's Jason Bourne, and he's got to get to Paris because that's where his address is. And so he meets up with this girl. Her name is Marie. And he hires her to drive him to Paris from where he's at. And uh, when he gets to Paris, um, he, he meets up with an assassin that's out to, to get him. And, and so all throughout the movie, he's trying to figure out who he is. He's running from his past. Who, he doesn't even know what he's running from. And, and he doesn't know what's going on in the future, what's going to happen. And so he and Marie go through all these different things. And finally, at the end, uh, he makes it through. But... Um, it, and, and I think that's kind of like our life, like, like Jason Bourne and the Bourne Identity is kind of like some of our lives, right? Some of us are running from our past. We, we're running from things that have happened to us in the past, maybe things that have happened to us or things that we've done, and so we're running from the things of our past. And we're searching for our identity. And I keep thinking, you know, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but someday I'm going to figure it out, right? And so we're searching for who we are today and what we should be doing and, and where, where we need to be and, and all of that. And then, and then with, with Bourne, he's, he's uncertain of his future. And he doesn't know what tomorrow holds. He doesn't know if someone's going to come out of the you know, come through the window, if someone's going to come out of the closet, if, you know, he doesn't, he's uncertain of his future. And some of us, 
you know, especially after this past year, we're uncertain of our future. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. We don't know if we're going to be able to pay our bills or pay our mortgage or our rent or whatever it is. We don't know if we're going to have a job next year. And, and we have, you know, lots of uncertainties that are, are coming. And so with, with, with him, you know, he, he's just not sure of where to go. And, and some of us are like that too. And so, you know, as I was thinking about it over, I, I kept thinking, well, what person in the Bible most encompasses and is like Jason Bourne. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about Peter, and I was like, no, not Peter. Then I, I thought about Saul. And Saul, we meet up with Saul in Acts chapter 8. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. I want to spend some time in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9. But Saul, if you don't know who he is, he's later, he's, he later becomes Paul. And, uh, but Saul was born in Tarsus, and then he was brought up in Jerusalem, and at an early age, his parents realized that he had a propensity for learning. And so they sent him to rabbi school, and he becomes this rabbi. He's an elite. He's at the top of his class. He knows the Torah. He knows the first five books of the Bible. He knows the law. He knows everything backwards and forwards. And he has a, a zealousness for God and for, for the scriptures. And he wants everyone to follow them appropriately and right. And so he, when we first meet him, um, we, we see that he's at the stoning of Stephen. And Stephen is one of the uh, disciples. And so he was teaching the Pharisees and telling them about Jesus and how Jesus was the Messiah. And they got so enraged that they threw stones at him and killed him. And before they did that, they laid their cloaks as a sign of respect at Paul's feet, at Saul's feet. And so he had the, he had the authority. He was kind of like, you know, uh, the emperors, you know, it's either up or down, right? And he went down like that, and then they took care of Stephen, and they killed him. And as a result, we meet him for the first time in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and it says this. It says, Saul was one of the witnesses and agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to squash what they called the way, the, the, the gospel of Christ. They were trying to squash it, but what they did was the absolute opposite. Because what they did was they spread the believers through Judea and Samaria. And so the gospel spread. We see Philip meeting with the Ethiopian eunuch and sharing the gospel there. And so it was spreading throughout the region. And then Paul, or excuse me, Saul at the time, he, he gets papers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and he's on his way to Damascus, and the papers say that he has the authority to arrest and to, take, and to put people in prison. And so Saul's on his, on his way to Damascus, and he's on the road, and all of a sudden this bright light comes out of the sky, and a voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, Lord, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. So as he was persecuting the believers, he was persecuting Jesus. And so he says, I want you to go to Damascus where I will tell you what you need to do for me there. Waiting for instructions, kind of like the asset. He's just waiting for instructions. What's gonna happen next? And so he goes to Damascus and he waits and he fasts and prays for three days. And while he's doing that, Across town, there's this guy named Ananias. And Ananias is praying, and he's fasting. And Jesus reveals himself to Ananias, and he says, I want you to go pray for my servant Saul. 
And he says, whoa, are you kidding me? Do you know, do you know about that guy, Jesus? Jesus, that guy just killed Stephen. And, and he wants to arrest people. He's sent here to murder and arrest people. And you want me to go pray for him? He goes, yes, I want you to go pray for him because he must know how much he must suffer for me. And so Ananias, you know, he says, okay. And he goes in, he prays for Paul. And scales fall from his eyes. And he's able to see again. But not only is he able to see physically, he's able to see spiritually for the first time. And this is where he picks up in Acts chapter 9, verses 19. It says, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. You see, Saul had an encounter with Jesus like no one else. He changed his life. He was on one path, and when he encountered Jesus, he went to another path. He was on one trajectory, and then he changed his course, and, and he was persecuting believers, and all of a sudden, now he's preaching about Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. And then he goes on to, it goes on to say, all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. See, his propensity for learning at a young age enabled him to know the scriptures forward and backwards, and because of that, he was able to give the proofs that Jesus was the Messiah through all of that. So during the night, um, excuse me, after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. And there it begins. He goes out from there. He goes, he goes, eventually goes back to Jerusalem, spends time with the disciples. And then he goes on and, and Barnabas takes him under his wing and they go all throughout Asia. And so what I want our takeaway to be from this morning is that we can be thankful that our hope isn't in what we've done or who we are, but in what he's done, what Jesus has done, and who he is. So I want you to remember that today, that it's not a matter of what you've done and who you are, because see, our past may define events, and, and so those events don't define who we are they may shape and mold who we are, but they don't define who we are. And so I want to change those three things that we saw on the trailer from running from our past, right, and searching through our present with an uncertain future. And I think what God wants to do is he wants to give us a reborn identity. So when we give our hearts to Jesus, we're reborn. And inside of our hearts, Jesus wants to give us new life and a new meaning and a new purpose so instead of running from our past, God is rewriting our past. He's rewriting our past. You see, what, what, Paul, what happened to Paul and what Paul did didn't define who he was moving forward because in the eyes of the, the disciples and in the eyes of Christians, he was a murderer. He was someone who was going to oppress them and, and lock them up in prison. But God took that and he flipped it and he, and he took that zealousness and that and that fervor for God's word, and he used it to spread the gospel. And we have over two-thirds of our New Testament is from Paul. And so God changed his past. In 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16, and I have a lot of scriptures I'm going to be throwing out you this morning. If you have a pen or if you have your phones out, make sure you write these down because these are some promises for who God says we are today. 
So 1 Timothy 15 through 16 says this, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You see, what, what happened to you in your past? God's gonna take that and use it for his glory. God's gonna take the ashes of, of your past and turn it into beauty for the future. God's gonna take the hurt and the pain that you've suffered under and that, and that you've endured and he's gonna change that. And not only so much so in your life, that it's gonna be, it's gonna be for others too. And God's gonna allow you to share that to others so that you can bring healing from the hurts that you have. You see, our past doesn't define who we are. It just helps to shape who we become. The second is Galatians 2.20. Paul says this. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Paul realized that Jesus gave his life for him. Then he writes in Romans, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Some of you here this morning need to hear that. There's no condemnation for what you've done and who you were because you are a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And jumping to verse 21, it says this. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. See, we were wandering, we were running, we were searching, and, and Christ Jesus found us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him, and you're wondering and you're wandering and you don't know what the future holds, you don't know what your present is, you don't know what tomorrow is, and you think that you've done so much wrong that you can never be forgiven. Here's a guy that killed people and people followed his orders and yet God used him to ignite the church and spread it throughout the world. The second is we, we don't, we're not searching for our identity. We need to know our identity. We need to walk in confidence of who we are, who we are as believers. And as Paul's writing to the churches, he writes this in Romans 5.1. He says this. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. You see, God, God has given us peace within our hearts. It's not because he's going to take us out of the storm. He's going to take us out of the trials. He gives us peace within those trials. In Romans 8.37 says this. It says, no, in all these, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, once we, we were victims, now we're victors. Once we were oppressed, and now we're free, and we're bringing freedom to others. Once we were low, and God has lifted us up. You see, I don't know what you brought in here. I don't know what your past is. I don't know where you've been and what you've done. God does, but he loves you anyway. And he says this about you. He says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God 
and that the Spirit of God lives in you. See, the Jews back in Jerusalem, back in Jesus' day, would go to the temple to give their offerings and make their worship to God at least once a year. Any good Jewish person would go to Jerusalem once a year with their offerings. And, he's, and, and, and Paul is saying now, we don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore because the temple, because our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we invite the Holy Spirit to come and live in us. And he empowers us to live our life day in and day out. He gives us the strength for today and the hope for tomorrow. And lastly, he says this in Romans 8, 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. You, you catch that? We are now his children. We've been adopted into the kingdom and we are heirs. What are we heirs of? What are we gonna inherit? And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We receive his glory here and now. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his sufferings. And see, like I said earlier, it's, it's not that God, as soon as you become a Christian, God's gonna make life easy for you. He never says that. He says you're gonna have trials. You're gonna have tribulations. You're gonna have hardships. You're gonna have struggles. But fear not, I have overcome the world. He says we're more than conquerors. We're heirs. We're sons. We're daughters. And, and we're gonna be seated with him in heavenly places. We've got a hope for the future. We've got a hope for tomorrow. You know, I think about it, when I was, <clears throat> when I was a, a young father, I'm an older father now, I'm not an old father, although my kids tell me I'm old, I'm not an old father, I'm an older father. But when I was a young father, I had to watch my kids struggle with things. I had to, they had to struggle because if they didn't, it, and it was so hard sometimes to, to not just fix it for them and do it for them, even today. It's like I wanna do things for them. But if I don't let them make mistakes and I don't let them struggle, they're never gonna get strong enough for it. And you know, I, I, I take part in this exercise group. We meet at 5.30 in the morning uh, all around Woodstock. And one of the things, you know, I invite guys to come and, and to, to, to join us. And they're like, oh, you guys, you guys are too intense. You're too insane. You're, you're too fit for me. I, I can't do that. And, and I was like, you didn't see me when I started. And I'm still not that good. We don't want you to come, you know, all having everything together and ready, we, but we don't want to leave you there. And that's the same with our walk with Christ. See, God doesn't want us to come to him and be perfect. There's only one person that was perfect on this planet, and that was Jesus. God wants us to come to him as we are. And we need to know that he is there for us and that he is he's helping us, and he's going to give us a future and a hope. And he'll take care of the cleaning up, Right? And then lastly, we need to be certain of our future. Certain of our future. How do we do that? In Ephesians 2, 6, it says this, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. There are some of us that were walking around as though we were dead, just kind of wandering, kind of trying to figure this life out without a purpose, without a hope, without a future, without a plan. You just didn't know what was going on. And you were just kind of living day in and day out. But he says that he raised us from the dead and he seated us in heavenly places with Christ. We're united with him. We're one. Second Timothy says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of self-discipline, power, and love. 
So God has given us the, the courage and the confidence to walk with him through the days of our lives. Philippians 3, 20, it says this, but we are citizens of heaven and where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. When Jesus was on earth, he taught us how to pray. He says, Lord, pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how do we do that? We do that because we bring the kingdom because the kingdom lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. It says, it says this, it says, we are citizens of heaven. Well, I'm a citizen of heaven, but yet I'm here on earth. It's, it's the here and the now, but not the, the not yet. So while I'm gonna live here, I'm gonna bring heaven to earth. I'm gonna bring Christ. Christ lives inside of me, the hope, the joy, the love, the compassion. And then finally, he says in verse four, like chapter four, verse 19, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. There are those of you that are kind of wondering, how am I gonna pay my mortgage this month? Am I gonna have a job? How do I get through the day? And I, I've told this testimony several times here at church and in our men's groups and in there was a time when I had 75 cents to my name and I didn't know how I was gonna pay my bills. I didn't know how I was gonna pay my mortgage. I didn't know what the future held, but I know who held my future. And you see, God provided for my needs that time. And he provided for my needs throughout the years I've never wanted. There's, not, there's been times where there's not been a lot, but I've never lacked. And there are times where I'm tested and I, and I go through those trials again and, I, and I, I look to God. And these past six months, nine months have not been easy. It's been challenging. And, and I've wondered, God, are you gonna show up again? But I trust you. And God wants us to trust him this morning. God wants us to put our lives in his hands because we're no longer running from our past. God is changing our past and rewriting our past. We're no longer searching through our present. We know our identity. And we're not uncertain of our future. We know that our future is in his hands and with him. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you haven't had that personal relationship and you haven't invited him into your heart so that the Holy Spirit can live in and through you, then I'm gonna give you an opportunity to invite him into your life. Maybe you've walked with him and you're just kind of going through a time where you've been struggling and you're just uncertain of what's going on and you just don't know and you're kind of living in this, this in-between stage and you're, you're kind of bordering on the hopelessness and you're just like, I don't know if I fit in anywhere. God has put on my heart that as I prepared this message that there are those of you who have this low self-esteem and a low self-image. And I want you to walk away today knowing your identity, that you're a son, that you're a daughter of the Most High, and you are precious in His sight. And He loves you, and He created you to be who you are. And so we can walk in confidence. Now, there's a difference between confidence and arrogance, right? Sometimes our confidence comes across as arrogance. But I, I challenge you this. The, the Webster's definition of confidence is this. It's a feeling of consciousness of one's power or of reliance on one's circumstances. Faith or belief that one will act in a right, proper or effective way, the quality or state of being certain, a relation 
of trust and intimacy, I think we can only have certainty and be certain of who we are and be certain if we have a, a trust and an intimacy with Jesus. And I want to challenge you that if you don't have that relationship and that intimacy with Jesus, that you invite him in today. Now, arrogance comes across as this. It's an attitude of superiority manifested in an overbearing manner or in a presumptuous or in presumptuous claims or assumptions. And I think sometimes as believers in Christ, we come across maybe as arrogant, like we've got it all figured out. But I don't think that that's who we are at heart. I don't think that's what we want. I think we want to come across as confident and we want others to see that light within us. We want others to know that we are thankful that our hope isn't in who we are and what we've done, but it's in who he is and what he's done. Will you bow your heads with me this morning as we pray? As I said, maybe there's someone here who you're walking with Jesus and, and you're just kind of struggling with your self-identity. Maybe you're like Jason Bourne and you're searching for who you are because you don't know who you are. And you're looking and you're searching and you want something more. Whatever it is that's holding you down from your past, whatever it is that's keeping you chained up and bound up, God wants to set that free this morning. And I just invite you to release that to him this morning. Maybe say it, whisper it. I'm just releasing this to you, Jesus. And there are those that are here this morning that you've never given your heart to, to, to Jesus. You've never opened yourself up because you don't know. You're, you're uncertain. You're just, you're just kind of questioning this. Well, I want to give you that opportunity to give him a shot because I know Jesus has proven himself in my life over and over again. And I know if he can do it in me, he can do it in you too. So this morning as we pray, will you just open up your hearts and your, and, your, and your lives and your minds to what Jesus has for you. And Lord, I just pray your blessing over each and every one that's in the sound of my voice. Lord, whether they're here present or whether they're watching over the internet, Lord God, would you just touch them right now with your Holy presence, with your Holy Spirit? Would you heal the wounds of their heart? Would you set them free from their past? And would you set them on a trajectory that is for you and for your kingdom? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridgepoint Church Podcast. I hope we've shared something meaningful for you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little bit more about us, we meet on Sunday mornings in downtown Woodstock, but we also meet during the week in what we call life groups. And that's where the really good stuff happens for us. If you're becoming a regular listener of this podcast, we'd like to invite you to make it relational, just like we do during the week. Grab a Bible, invite some friends to join you, and turn this into a conversation. If you're already a regular listener and would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting us online at bpc.life and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening.